You're listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. So we've gone through the, the series on the names of uh, Jesus. Uh, today we're looking at Jesus, the Lamb of God. If you have your Bible, so you can turn to John 1, uh, 19 through 29. If you do not have your Bible with you, as always, it's printed in the order of worship. As we all know, Christmas, uh, one of the, at the forefront of our minds, is about the receiving and giving of gifts. And, and, but more so, the season to reflect, as we say, on the greatest gift of all. Indeed, really, when you think about it, the only gift that matters, namely the gift of God, who loved the world so much that he gave his only son to give us life. Not just life in the future. We think about that a lot. We talk about eternal life uh, as if uh, Christianity is some kind of fire insurance that you have so you don't go to hell. This is really not the epitome of what Jesus is talking about. He's also talking about abundant life for us here and now. But it came with a cost. And we're reminded of that. Even though we, we, we think about the manger, we also have to think about the cross during this time. And also the resurrection. Um, so we're looking at the name of names of Jesus during this Advent season. We talked about him as he, uh, Jesus as the Messiah. Uh, we've talked about him as the Savior. All these different things. Today we're going to talk about the Lamb of God. Why would he be t- called the Lamb of God? And what does that even mean for us? So let's look at our reading for today uh, from John. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, they're asking John, Who are you? He confessed, and he did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they said, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I'm not. Are you a prophet? And he said, No. And they said to them, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those that sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, then why are you baptizing if you're not Christ, nor Elijah, or a prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water. But among you stands one, You do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of his sandal, I am unworthy to to tie. I mean, I'm not worthy to untie. And these things took place in Bethany, across from the Jordan, where John was baptizing. You look at the next page here. Notice this. The next day, he saw Jesus coming, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father God, give us a glimpse of what it means for Jesus to be the Lamb of God um, and what it means to have our sins forgiven and taken away, not just the world in general. And Lord, today, may we leave here uh, with hearts that have been warmed by the fire of your love, uh, with our spirits quickened, to want to share this with other people. But most of all, just revel and contemplate and celebrate in the good news that we'll be talking about today in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Uh, to be honest with you, the last few weeks, and I don't know about you, I don't know what, what your walk was in the last few weeks, but the last couple of weeks have been hard for me. The Advent season, it always reminds me of this, the Advent season can be a mixed bag of emotions. For many, even right here in our church, they're experiencing the first Christmas without a certain loved one, without a family member. People that have been part of Christmas in their families until this very year. Just this week, I was just hearing bad news after bad news of relatives that were dying, cancer diagnosis, major surgeries that were people were having and having a hard time recovering from. And I remember one day I'd just gotten off the phone uh, and with just a lot of sad situations. And I get in my truck and the first thing I hear on the radio is, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And I'm thinking, really? Uh, but see, during this Advent season, here at Chelsea Press, and I hope you've seen a pattern here, we have talked about faith and we've talked about hope and love and peace and joy, but we have not sugarcoated it. Meaning, we have talked about how our heart longs for these things, and Jesus came to give us these things. But they are so hard to find in the midst of pain and suffering and the messiness and the busyness of the world we live in. So, so how dare we celebrate and rejoice when we are surrounded by so much brokenness? I mean, how do we have the audacity to propose that there's something good and true and beautiful in the middle of the darkness of this world? Well, today's sermon is a reminder of how we do it and why we do it has everything to do with the name of Jesus that we're talking about today. Jesus as the Lamb of God, death mixed with life. One of the first references in the Bible talking about the Lamb, and y'all probably remember this, we talked about Abraham uh, uh, weeks ago um, when we were going through a series. And uh, Remember when Abraham was tested by God by, and, and, and God asked him to offer Isaac, his son, as a sacrifice. And on the way to the place of the sacrifice, Isaac said to his father, Dad, I see the wood, I see the fire, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? To which Abraham responded, Son, God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering. And it was a heart-wrenching story, not because he asked him to sacrifice it, but the anguish of knowing that, that he would have, and Isaac looking at his father, at some point realizing he was the sacrifice. No gift from a father's heart could be more costly than the surrender of life of his only son. But God spared Abraham's son. But also, in the testing of Abraham, reminds us forever of the price of our own redemption through the grieving yet faithful heart of the father and obedience of the heart of the son, the father God, the son Jesus Christ. See, it's the, it's the human drama, drama that invites us all to a deeper appreciation of the priceless cost of free grace. And it reminds us there was a perfect sacrifice in flesh and blood reality. This is the story that we need to remember when we're talking about the Lamb as we enter into a different story today. So we're going to look at three things today. We're going to talk about questions from the religious. We're going to talk about the answer from John. And then we're going to talk about the Lamb coming from God. So let's talk about that today. So look at verse 19. Interesting story here. And this is the testimony of John. When, when the Jews 
sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem and asked him, Who are you? And he confessed, and did not deny, but he confessed, I'm not the Christ, if that's what you're asking. And they said, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you a prophet? He answered him, No. So they said to them, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those that sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I'm the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah had said, or had prophesied, or had predicted. So let's now, let's enter this story. 400 years, 400 years had passed between the end of the last prophet in the Bible until when you see John the Baptist coming on the scene. And during those four centuries, there was no prophet in Israel. But the Jews knew, if they read their Bible, that at least one more prophet, one more voice was going to be sent by God before the Messiah was going to become. And that, the one that was going to save them. God had promised to send another prophet, like the prophet Elijah, that would point them to their Savior and their King to deliver the Jewish nation. So given that reality, it's no surprise that people took notice when John the Baptist appears out of scene, out of the wilderness, looking like Elijah, and as we said before, wearing camel hair and just looking like a wild man. They took note of him. And this story begins today as, as, as John's ministry starts to take notice from the people. And so they're sending people all the way from Jerusalem out here in the wilderness in the middle of nowhere. They, it catches their attention to investigate John and figure out who the heck is he. So these religious people and some of our political figures, they come up to John with a lot of questions. And all the questions are focused on you're getting people stirred up. You have a following right here. Is there something we need to know? Mainly... Who the heck are you? You're running around? You're baptizing people? Do you think you're a prophet? you think you're Jesus? you think you're the Messiah? What's your credentials? What authority are you doing? By what authority are you doing what you're doing? Now, understandably, these Pharisees are concerned when it comes to John the Baptist uh, because he is not only out there randomly baptizing, but he is calling everyone, including the religious people, to be baptized. And that's the thing that jacked them the most. Surely they thought in their mind, some Jews, like the Pharisees, would not need to be baptized because they're, they're holy. They keep the commandments of God. And that explains why they were associated with the group that was sent from Jerusalem to ask him about his practices. See, he would need divine authority. Divine authority to make such an audacious claim that even the religious leaders need to repent and be baptized. So the main question that we're forced with here as we enter this next section is, who has the power? Who has the authority? Is really what they're getting at. It's a power struggle. But, so let's look at point two here. The answer from John. Let's see what he says. Verse 24. Now they have been sent by the Pharisees, basically saying they're religious leaders from Jerusalem, and they ask him, then why are you baptizing if you're not the Christ, or you're not Elijah, or you're not a prophet, and John said, I'm baptized with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of his sandal, I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, across from the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The first part of this question, I mean, is important. Uh, these folks were sent 
uh, from the religious leaders, and they say, as we just said, there's a power struggle here. But now, in the answer, John's going to flip the situation. He's going to flip the question. See, John starts by telling the religious leaders more of who he is not than more of who he is. He says he's not the Messiah. He's not claiming to be Jesus Christ. But he is that prophet that was talked about in the old prophecies as the voice crying out in the wilderness and the one that would be sent by God to proclaim the restoration of the kingdom and the coming of the Messiah. But look at what he does. John was very careful not to claim more for himself than he actually deserved. And he immediately pointed the people that were there through himself, beyond himself, to Jesus. See, these people that were there, they're looking to gain control and power, and they want to assert their authority. But look at John. He's trying to get rid of it. Control and authority and power. And that way he serves as a model for us all. I mean, think about it. We should not claim more for ourselves than actually true, and we should be ready to proclaim Christ to people we know, not ourselves. See, John the Baptist, if, if you look at the history of the world, is one of the most significant people in the history of the world as the prophet that would eventually baptize Jesus Christ himself. And he directly announced the coming of Jesus. But if you think about it, all believers like us are announcing and heralding and sharing the coming of Jesus, not just in the past, but in the future. Whether we're speaking of Christ to our children, or neighbors, or anyone else, we should be declaring Jesus and what he has done, not promoting ourselves. Same true with our church. We don't want people to fall in love with Chelsea Press. We want them to fall in love with Jesus Christ, and we are an instrument to point them to that. And not only that, but we make bad Jesus. I'm a bad Jesus. You're a bad Jesus. People will be disappointed and frustrated if you're trying to be Jesus to other people. Are you a fixer? Do you try to solve all their problems? Or do you point them to the one that actually can solve their problems? Anything else will lead to disappointment and even despair after a while. These leaders were sent from Jerusalem. But let's see now the one that John's talking about from whom he is sent. So let's look at the very next day what happens after in this story. Let's look at the third point. The Lamb coming from God. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So here we have it. The person that John has been talking about. And look what he says. He doesn't say, notice this, he doesn't say, Look, the Son of God doesn't say that. He doesn't say, the Savior doesn't say that. The Messiah, nope. It's Jesus Christ, nope. He says, and rightly so, look, the Lamb of God who's going to take away our guilt and our shame to save the world. So why does he say Lamb? As we talked about before in the very beginning of what we talked about, at the drama of everything we've talked about today, death and pain and power and salvation, in the middle of all that is a lamb prepared to be offered by God, dying so others will live, bearing the sins of the people whom God intends to save. We are like, the Bible says, sheep going astray, but led by one sheep, the lamb that never went astray. God, we are people that need a, a sacrifice. And to do that, he took all of us that are strange sheep, and he gave one sheep for us 
and recovered us and our sins are removed forever because of that. See, the Lamb of God will be the Lamb of God is going to be treated as he dies on the cross as someone who had never been holy. So that lost sheep like us that are sinners will be treated like we are holy. See, Jesus is God's only and dearly son who, like Isaac that we talked about before, walked up another mountain carrying a cross on his back and was obedient to the Father's will and submitted to being bound and made a sacrifice. Unlike Isaac, Jesus' life was not spared. But like Abraham, God the Father received his son back from the death on the third day. And this is Jesus' precious gift to us. This is what we're talking about this time of the year. He has provided a substitute for us in his son. But that's not where the story ends. There's another image of a lamb in the Bible, the last book of the Bible, in Revelation. He talks about a lamb that stands before the throne and all worship him and they sing, Worthy is the Lamb that slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing to all of us. So where's the Lamb of God's provision today? He's on the throne where he receives us and he is ruling today. See, the Lamb that died for you and me is the same Lamb that rules and reigns to give us peace and hope and joy and love. He didn't come to just do a one-time rescue of us but to make an impact on our daily lives. So during this Christian season, uh, are you like where I felt this week? Are you, are you kind of stuck between despair and hope, pain and comfort? Are you kind of stuck between anxiety and peace, discontentment and joy, and you just can't seem to get them together? Jesus the Lamb lived and died and was resurrected, and he rules on the throne today to bridge those gaps. Pray that Jesus, pray that God will give us the faith that we need to believe that and live by that during this Advent season. And let's think about that today as we come to the table. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the sacrifice that you made. Um, we, there's a side of us that we, we try to make our own sacrifices or do their own work. We, we, try to, we try to earn our own way into your favor in heaven and in your love. And we just know we can't do it. And we're tired of it. Get us off the performance track. Get us off the religious treadmill. Help us to fall deeply in love with your son. Develop a relationship with him. Learn what it means to have faith in the fact that he died on our behalf. And accept that and repent. And turn from our trying to do it on our own to acknowledging that you are the one and the only one that can help us in our condition. May we remember this and share this during this Advent season. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.